listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. One and two, one day, start your own business. If you all can understand how the macro economy is working right now, there's a great resignation. There's a lot of people who don't want to work and their job or corporate America, they're quitting and they want to go somewhere else. So what's happening is a lot of people have these gigs, these, this gig economy, making more money. The point of that is there's a lot of different ways that the middleman is being removed. Um, they have access to talent to scale easier. The entrepreneurial revolution has happened. The macro economic sector is bringing it to be more easier to start and launch businesses. What does that mean then? If more people are starting businesses for the entrepreneur, what does that mean? We're going to culture there's more competition. And, and it means that we have to have a unique value proposition of what we're delivering to our clients and customers that say, hey, I want to hire you. Why do you want to hire me? And, and they, they differentiate themselves because of that. But they have to start somewhere. So the entrepreneur and that entrepreneurship, the individual, the global economy. Take that individual, put them into a situation where you have technology, uh, the ability to launch businesses quickly, a place where people are hungry to get out there and start launching companies, a society that says we need more of what you do. It's becoming a natural thing for people to start out businesses. I mean, like, who are you? What makes you unique? What about your background and skills and family and upbringing and what resources do you have access to that can help you do something that you've always wanted to do? That's the, the entrepreneurial story. It's not a bad thing. Money is not bad. Making it your idol could be bad. Yeah. But they needed money to fund those projects. They needed money to lend the people or the businesses. How about what she says, my actions are inactions. We never know who, who they can touch. Now, what if question? What if I don't act on that idea? Who could have been a beneficiary of my action that because of my unwillingness to do it is now not? I think I brought it up earlier. But essentially, if, if we live that was unwilling to go into conflict, to go into a place where I needed to step up and stand up and lead, if I was unwilling to do that, because I, I just see it all as a scary, but I believe, I know, that I would have allowed different people to step up that should not have been abused. And I chose to act. And I didn't do it because I wanted to get rich. I did it because it was the right thing. And it sounds like she is a person like that as well. And entrepreneurship is not about a two-day business that goes nuts and makes millions of dollars. It's about consistency, perseverance, fortitude, patience, resilience. These are things that you better believe when Jacqueline flew over as a white girl into Africa, that she received resistance. A significant amount. Who are you coming in here telling me how to run my business? To wrong. Okay. Yeah. After a genocide. After a genocide. I can only imagine that after a while she stood up to someone and said, you know what? I'll tell you why. Because I'm going to help you and I want to do it now. If you're interested, you can stick around. If not, get out of my building. I bet she's probably had a few of those conversations. Will you, Julio, if you want to start that business, will you, Ramon, if you want to do something, Ramon, right? Yes. 
if you want to do something special, you're going to have to have those challenging conversations. You're going to have to create a little bit of chaos within some of your personal relationships. Maybe not. Maybe you're an exception to the rule. I want to know what it is about you, what it is about you that you would like to create and do in the future. Uh, tell me something unique about your family, your, your upbringing, your education, your experience. Uh, the goal of it is really for you to bring that story out yourself so you practice sharing it with others so it can be impactful for others. Understanding that the premise and the foundation of who you are in your past is exactly what you need to propel you through the future. That pain that you experienced, that difficulty that you had with that family member, that lack of, of money, that day that you said, man, I, I can't even sleep. I'm so anxious about whether or not I'm going to do pay the bill or get the girl. I don't know what it is. But that moment that you think about, share that. Put it out there. Explain it and say, that's where I was, and this is what happened, and this is what I want to do in the future. We learn by doing. Uh, does any, I mean, without reading, does anybody know what entrepreneur, like where that came from? It's an odd word, right? And you spell it so much now that a lot of people still, at an academic level, spell it wrong because <laughs> it's an odd, but it, entrepreneur spells out right. But it's a French word, and the entre meaning to undertake. So that's where it came from, is the, the beginnings of entrepreneurship means somebody who undertakes, goes on a journey. I think about the analogy of the Oregon Trail and the history of business throughout the United States and certainly uh, throughout the Industrial Revolution is they undertook journeys. And I just think about the entrepreneurial journey, embarking, undertaking on a journey. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's a defined endpoint, but certainly we have a, a trajectory of where we're going. The Oregon Trail, where are it? So in, we used to play this game in elementary school and you'd have to gather resources, you'd have to trade with Indians, and you'd have to figure out a way to not have your family uh, suffer through going through this Oregon Trail. You'd have to go and shoot and hunt. So I just like the analogy of a business as a vessel, a wagon, and, and it's going on a path, it's going on a journey, and the essence of it is to create something new somewhere else. But that gives you some understanding of where the word entrepreneur came from. Entrepreneurial firms make two indispensable contributions to the economy. They are an integral part of the renewal process that pervades and defines market economies. The GDP of an economy and the entrepreneurial nature of creation and how impactful it is of creating jobs and creating space for entrepreneurship. And that's why a lot of societies and that's why a lot of uh, local agencies want to help businesses start because it, it employs a large amount of the population, obviously, of these entrepreneurial endeavors. And government is a big one too, but working for an independent company stimulates the economy a lot more than anything else. They are the essential mechanism by which millions enter the economic and societal mainstream of society. The entrepreneur revolution. Entrepreneurship is the symbol of business tenacity and achievement. Entrepreneurs were the pioneers of today's business success. What's a pioneer? They paved the way for others. They paved the way. But is being a pioneer required to be an entrepreneur? No. No. It's some entrepreneurs are pioneers. Jeff Bezos is not a pioneer. He's a pragmatist. He made something better that already existed. That's another form of entrepreneurship. Another way that you can be an entrepreneur is, is working within an organization and leveraging departments. You, you don't have to start something new. You just have to undertake something with the creation of resources to, to create opportunity. 
entrepreneur and pioneer tend to be uh, synonymous. It's not always the case. You pioneer your way into a swamp. You pioneer your way into a drug cartel. So that's the whole essence of risk mitigation is prior to embarking on this journey, we should do some research. Research the industry. Research the customer. Who we serve and our value. And what do the financials look like? How can we project this? What are our potential strategic partners and relationships that we need on this journey? You better believe it before you take your uh, your your family on a on a wagon trip across the country. You're gonna have a plan. Well, you know we're gonna need some food, and uh, we should probably you know kill that cow that we've been nurturing for and bring it with us. You know there's there's a planning process to entrepreneurship. Accounts for 75% of the world's population and 90% of the world's GDP. It's 250 million entrepreneurs worldwide will potentially create more jobs. And there are millions of businesses being launched every year, new ventures. A lot of them fail, you know, whatever, because a lot of them at times, but they're not worked. You know, they're quiet, they're dormant, they don't have revenues coming into them, but they're created. The creation process of businesses is that it has a profound economic impact on our world. The real dynamic. Entrepreneurship provides a dynamic that drives economies, communities, and organizations. The social glue that binds us together and drives the global economic future. Entrepreneurs, breakthrough innovators. Recognize opportunities where others see chaos, contradiction, and confusion. Give me an example. What happened three years ago at the beginning of 2020? <laughs> what are some areas in which entrepreneurs recognize opportunity? The onset of COVID vaccines. Vaccines or scientific entrepreneurs? Masks, boom. Masks, deliveries. Huh? Deliveries. deliveries. I swear, we, we don't go to the grocery store. All right. Um, Zoom. 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 That's a big one. Would you say that the onset of COVID was chaotic? Would you say that a lot of people at that time decided that they were going to focus on the chaos and not exploit opportunity? I think you mentioned like Uber before, ride sharing. Yeah. And there's a situation where you have what's called a, a disease category, which is taxis, essentially. Hmm. So they didn't reinvent the, you know, the taxi system. They took a category that was there and made it better. They made it better. And more functional for the consumer. Pragmatist, not a pioneer, but they made it better. And that's very important to understand is that sometimes the problem, some people don't even know they had a problem. So you create the problem by creating the, the, the business for the, the, the consumer, or the problem is there, cancer, um, cost of fuel, cost of education, danger of the highways. These are problems that people know they have, that if someone came in and solved them, they'd say, oh, thank you for alleviating that problem. So the point is, going back to the example of uh, times where there's chaos, my daughter was actually battling cancer at the time, four-year-old was diagnosed in 2020 with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, that's my daughter. And we got the news, and I was, in the hospital for the first three months and out of work for the first two weeks, president of an organization leading 100 people, 1200 customers. All I'm, I'm blacked out, I, meaning I, I am nobody's calling me. I'm not answering my phone. My daughter's in the hospital. And I, we had thankfully, we had a great team. I had a great uh, associate leader that came in and really took the reins. But then, then COVID hit. And, and are we, are we going to go out of business? Are we going to go out of business? We were an essential company. We never sent our employees home, we paid our employees overtime because there was so much going on. We, we never stopped payroll. We, we just, we opportunity after opportunity because we kept showing up. We had something, we created. So there was opportunity within the chaos. So that, you can go on and on with businesses over the years, Southwest included, how they, they created, looked at an industry 
And it was chaotic and expensive and the, the airlines industry. And they created a unique model where, where everyone else had these hub models. If you think of Delta, where they all kind of fly in a hub and they all go out over there. Southwest didn't have that model. They had flights to places that nobody else was going because they didn't operate that way. Their, their turnover time, when a, a plane would sit on the ground, what did Southwest do that no other airlines did at the time? Uh, did, you, did you have a pre-selected seat at Southwest? So no assigned seating, right? You get on the plane, you sit wherever you want. But believe me, when you get on a plane, people sit down a lot quicker. They can turn the planes around more. They made the flying experience fun. They didn't, they didn't have their tickets on all of these intermediary travel sites. You could only buy a ticket on Southwest.com. So they, they created something new and unique that disrupted an industry. Just multi-story after story of how that works. So what is an entrepreneurial mindset? And, and I think that sometimes people utilize this mindset phraseology quite often. There's myths about entrepreneurship. You have to be a risk taker to be an entrepreneur. Myth. You have to have money to be a successful entrepreneur. Myth. You have to be well-connected. Myth. Over and over and over again, we can talk about how the entrepreneurial spirit, that mindset, conquers those myths, rejects those myths. Innovativeness, risk-taking, and proactiveness. Consistent? Get up and do something. Get up and do something. To write the idea down is, is an initiative, proactive. Then to tell someone about the idea is the next step. Then to bring it to the class and say, what do you guys think about this? It's the next. And then to develop a plan around it. Like That's proactiveness. Seeing something, doing something. Entrepreneurship as a process, and if you break it down, it's to walk through this process. Today we're talking about the entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, business problem or the opportunity, and we're going to go to the industry. What is it about this industry that we need to know uh, that this problem lies in? And we're going to go to the marketing and the financials and the operations, building a team. So we're going to walk through this process, identifying an opportunity, number one, develop the concept. I would like to invent a contraption or exists that goes around the floor without me having to, to sweep anything out that sucks up all of our cheese and our goldfish and our message makes all they want. It's called the Roomba. There's there's a whole that somebody's had to think of that first. Identify an opportunity. I, I was annoyed by the mess that my dog and my daughter make. I developed the concept. You know, they just I feel like there's a thing that you can just like move around and maybe I'll make a prototype right here and I'm gonna show it to somebody. Determine the required resources. Well, I'm going to need to mass produce this. I'm going to need to find a vendor or, sorry, a manufacturer in another country. I'm going to need to call them, take some proactiveness. I'm going to need to send them my prototype, ask for a quote, see how many I can, I can get on the first batch. Determine the required resources. I'm going to have to get them here. I'm going to have to then market the product, acquire the necessary resources, build a website maybe, put the website out there. Then I'm going to have to implement and manage it. I'm going to have to take orders. I'm going to have to collect payments. Then I'll have to ship them the, the stuff. Uh, there's a company called Spanx, uh, Sarah Blakely. Does anybody know? Absolutely. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What she did, is she, uh, we'll go to that next, but I have to figure out, now that I have customers, it's a great thing to have customers. It can also be a scary thing to have customers. I just created a concept that every parent or, or family member that has a dog and is annoyed by the dog's hair, they want my product. 
Does that make me successful? No, because I have to implement manage this organization and run a profit. Then eventually, I may be running break even for years. You know these tech companies that are out there, a lot of them, Uber included, by the way, is not a company that's making a ton of money. They have a ton of money invested into them. They have a great product, but they're struggling to find a business model that continuously returns a profit. And so eventually, you know, they may go public, and I'm sort of making this up, but don't quote me on this. A lot of people are going to buy their shares because they think Uber's great. I'm going to buy Uber. But in reality, that's just going to get all the investors out. They're going to say, see you later. And then the new owners are going to figure out how to make money on this thing, and the share value has to go up. And then it eventually has to sell. The journey is a journey. <laughs> it doesn't start with the idea. It starts with the idea, maybe. But it, it's a process. Just walk you through the process. The ability to adapt. When a new venture does succeed, more often than not, it is in a market other than the one that was intended to serve. It was a product that initially came out. That it came out, and we thought this was going to be, but then it's used for something, something else. How about the, you know, invention of the original iPod, and how that created a market for MP3s, and how about the ability for that to then morph itself into iTunes? iTunes, they know the iPod was not the invention. The invention was iTunes that created a, a place for artists to share their music and be okay with allowing it to be shared digitally. It created a platform for artists because remember Napster, all these, it was done for free, but the iPod, we don't have iPods anymore. We all have iTunes, right? So it's originally, oh man, the iPod's gonna be, everyone's gonna have one in their house, they're gonna use it forever, it's gonna be the most amazing, it was less than maybe like six years. The iPhone came out, iTunes came out, and everyone's carrying around computers in their pocket. So the point is, sometimes initially, you may start a uh, human resources consulting company, that, but that can morph into uh, insurance, workman's compensation. I don't know, 10 years from now, you might be selling workman's compensation as opposed to consulting services because you've seen an opportunity that you leverage and utilize it. Types of ventures. And the the way in which these companies move throughout the life In essence, too, we have to understand what is in the heart of the entrepreneur. What does the entrepreneur want to do with this business? Let's talk about it. There are businesses out there like uh, Jacqueline's business and like Salulu uh, Technologies, like the gentleman that I love, Tambo, I think his name is, that has the uh, Coca-Cola. These are called survival businesses. So a survival business, if you think about it, is... I don't have a job. I need money. I have a family. I'm hungry. I need to eat. I need something. This, this, this. Hey, how much? You want this? How much should you pay me for this? All right, twenty bucks. Give me twenty bucks. Take twenty bucks. You want this? How much should you pay me for this? Okay, cool. And then I go back and I get more. I have a bag of oranges and I sell them on the street. And then I work. I go get some more oranges. I sell them on the street. I'm, I'm in business because I just need to make money. I went to jail. I didn't go to jail. <clears throat> but if I didn't go to jail, I have a record. What is that? Does that make it difficult to get hired? Yes. Yes. What if I have no education? Can't I, I'm in I'm in uh, Miami doesn't count, but I'm in uh, Oklahoma and I. Don't speak English, but I need to make money. So what am I going to do to create a company 
to get income because I can't get a job. That's a survival business. I love working with survival businesses because typically you find a person that's really, really, really good at something. And typically the entrepreneur is the one doing all the work. And they, they're doing it because they got to do it. They're showing up every day. They're working. They're cleaning. They're hustling. They're cleaning the cars. <coughs> they're tutoring people in Spanish. They're translating uh, a message at church because they just, they're figuring out what they need to do. But they're doing it all by themselves. And they haven't been able to explore the opportunities or see their own potential because they haven't had the opportunity to really do that. When you work with survival companies, <coughs> excuse me, you tend to find a, an entrepreneur who is very good at what they do, but they don't have a business acumen to create it and bring it to the next level. That's really cool. Lifestyle business. What does that sound like? Fitness, nutrition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're thinking about the industry. But the essence of the business, the purpose of the business, is because the entrepreneur wants to set up a lifestyle for himself or herself. So survival is I got to do it. Got to hustle. Don't have a job. Need to get money. Selling this. Working. That's crazy. But these guys, I mean, that is a crazy entrepreneurial spirit. Lifestyle business is, okay, I want to live in Florida, and I want to clean pools, and I only want this amount of customers, and once I can make... 60, 70, 80,000 dollars a year. I'm done. I don't want more business. I don't want more employees. That's me. I don't want all that. I want just... to Spain, do my thing, come, blah, 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 and go back. Yeah. <laughs> so you're attracted to entrepreneurship because you want to set up a lifestyle for yourself. I've done corporate America for years. But yeah, yeah that's, that's what I want. You want to do what you want to do when you want to do it, and you want only a certain subset of clients. But the reality is sometimes it starts off that way. Sometimes you Maybe. tend to hire that person and then potentially do the thing. And then, you know, you're just constantly in this perpetual cycle of new clients, new creation. So you have the person that wants the business for a lifestyle. There you go. But is this business, could it potentially be a unit of analysis all in itself? Is it always contingent upon the wishes, desires, and ambitions of the entrepreneur. Could this business morph itself into something that isn't necessarily controlled by the entrepreneur? What if she gets into government contracting and she's consulting some company of a human resources talent and she gets an account that is the secretary of state and she, she has to find, recruit, and get that feet? You think she's gonna? What did you want to do? Live in Spain? Spain. Okay, so I'll you think she's gonna say, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to Spain. I want that business. I don't want to be known as the person who staffed the Secretary of State and trained them and onboarded them. I'm going to Spain. No. Do you understand how the business could very well take on a mindset of itself? And sometimes the entrepreneur gets taken into that. So the point is, the entrepreneur can control the business until the business controls the entrepreneur. Or, or which way does it? Which way does it go? And so that's a lifestyle business. And a lot of times, more than many, lifestyle businesses turn into managed growth businesses. Managed growth businesses is, okay, we're growing, and we need to departmentalize, we need to structure, we need employees, they need to be incentivized, they might need to bring in a partner, we might need some venture capital, we might need funding, uh, we might need to create another company to support this company. It's growing. So when you think of managed growth companies, it's not always companies that are taken off, it's companies that are family businesses, it's companies that are steadily growing in, in revenue. Maybe the profits aren't there, but they're capturing market share. Commodities, a lot of times, you know, you're cleaning pools, uh, cleaning cars. Like, think about the car washes. It's pretty basic. You can have a lifestyle car wash, one or two car washes. 
Uh, but you can turn that business, a car wash business, into a, a giant. You can go international with your car washing business if you wanted to. You could have a franchise model. You could have a subscription model. I think this L Car Wash does a lot of pay me 20 bucks a month, and you get as many car washes as you want. So it turns into something more than what it was originally intended to do. So you got managed growth. Okay, we can take care of it, take care of it. And then what does high growth look like? And what companies are typically involved in high growth? Tech. Tech. Boom. Is there a cost for an additional subscriber to uh, Amazon, additional account? Like if, if Prime. 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 So how much does it cost me as a business owner of Amazon Prime for have additional subscribers, additional uh, users? Cost doesn't really cost me anything. But initially, to build it, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Why do people fund the high-tech stuff with millions and millions and millions of dollars? Do you think it's because they want to set up a lifestyle for entrepreneurs? Do you think it's because they want to slowly get bigger over time and generate more revenues? And no, they want that thing. To... For years from now, this thing's going to go from zero to 100 real quick for any famous rappers, but like real quick. <laughs> or we're not going to invest in it. So that's a high growth organization, typically tech companies. Sometimes uh, when you get into a space, uh, aerospace engineering is one of them. Um, think about some other high growth ventures that aren't really tech. Um, you know, uh, any kind of business that has a large market share, maybe high, high volumes, low margin kinds of businesses. Can't think of any other examples, but so essentially what I'm trying to explain the purpose is that there's different types of ventures. And as we progress through the class, like uh, Adriana eloquently said, I would like to develop a lifestyle. It's good to know that from the beginning. Or maybe someone else question, I got technology. I want to do technology, I want to be growing fast, I'm a billionaire. Somebody else says, you know, I just want to create a company that is a lifestyle first. I, I love leading teams. And I want to be a CEO of a mid-sized organization doing about 12 to 20 million a year in sales. And um, I just want to manage a team. And that's more managed growth. Lifestyle, a lot of times, the entrepreneur is actively involved in business. Entrepreneurship is a lifetime philosophy, attitude, professionally, in one's life, behavior. So this is what's cool about the essence of what you'll learn in this. It's applicable and transferable to everything we do. It was a mindset that I'm going to fix this. So behavior, pursuing opportunity, attitude. He didn't just choose to stay home. He sensed the problem, he diagnosed the problem, came up with a solution, had some ingenuity. It wasn't a manual for it. I'm sure he didn't YouTube, like how do I, you know, I hear a noise in my car, what do I do? No, he, he, he has a philosophy of I gotta fix this problem because I got places to go and things to do. Everything we do, we can bring a spirit of entrepreneurship and the philosophy of entrepreneurship is what we do. The at-risk person, this is fun, is the person that is not prepared for the entrepreneurial age. The revolution is the age of omnipresent entrepreneurship, more choices, more innovation, more techno technological advances, more change, more opportunity, more possibilities. We talked about mindset, small business owners versus entrepreneurs. Is there a difference between those two? Yeah, the lifestyle business owner they had their entrepreneurial endeavor, now they're here. And they're sort of like, likely they'll probably engage in more entrepreneurial activity. But it's just, it's usually the case where entrepreneurs become small business owners. And what happens, and it's, it's happened to me recently, where the exit that we had, my 
my um, skills and talents do not operate from a, a multinational operational company where a senior vice president from that used to work for PepsiCo and used to work for Brightview had to come in and take a leadership role. And we recruited them because the skill set of creating operational synergy, um, onboarding different kinds of system structures, managing hundreds and thousands, thousands of people and creating that structure, I don't know how to do it. So eventually the entrepreneur has to, I'm, I'm out, <laughs> I don't know where we're going here, but I don't know how to do that. And the humility it takes to be able to do that is not always easy. But a lot of times that's, that's what happens. Do you think that um, Steve Jobs was, was managing the day-to-day -day operations of uh, Apple? No, he was a visionary. Steve Wozniak. Yeah, Steve Wozniak. He was better at being the day-to-day -day leader. And a lot of times what will happen, and I don't want to say a lot of times, but the entrepreneur is very difficult to deal with. Like, leave me alone. But in essence, he's right, but his behaviors then become to the point where maybe it's good for you to get, get into a different role or maybe start a different business. Delegate. Delegate. Just get, get out of the building. You know what I mean? And start something new. But that just depends on who you are and how that works. But that kind of gives you a little bit of a, a paradigm shift of, where the entrepreneur is, small business owner, a small business owner, the skills that they've created by being entrepreneurial can make them a really good small business owner. Um, but could it make them a really good medium-sized vice president of a company? Maybe not. Entrepreneurship is not something you do. It is a philosophy that you bring to life. Be the change you wish to see in the world. I just love it. Employer perspective. This is fun to read. Employee perspective. Who wants to read some of those bullet points? Uh, I don't fear my job. I must conform. And then fear fuels me. Sleepless nights. Uh, mistakes must be avoided. Mistakes help me learn. Next, avoiding risk is security. Calculated risks are my security. Uh, I must know everything about my job. Continuous learning is my approach. Try and be smartest one in my room, in my team. Seek a team of people smarter than me. Okay. How I look externally is key. How I appear internally is more important. Promotion is my goal. No, entrepreneurial journey is my goal. It's a good little contrast. Entrepreneurship is a dynamic process of creating incremental wealth. This wealth is created by individuals who assume major risks in terms of equity, time, and or career commitment and providing value for a product or service. The product or service itself may or may not be new or unique. The entrepreneur must somehow infuse value by securing and allocating necessary skills and resources. Entrepreneurial leadership. So is that a little bit different than initiating a business? And what, what does entrepreneurial leadership look like? Introvertedness versus extrovertedness? Innovator versus pragmatist? You know what we talked about with uh, Steve Jobs versus Sergey Brim is maybe a little bit different. Analytical, maybe not an entrepreneurial leader. But typically what, what people mean by entrepreneurial leader is they're willing to use what's called strategic entrepreneurship tactics. You know how that there's a problem. You're willing to you do research and you create something of value. For instance, if you want to, if your lifestyle business turns into a managed growth company, you got to bring in maybe a talented person. In order to keep a talented person, you have to do something called a key man policy. You have to give them maybe a life insurance policy that's in their name. If they were to pass away, you'd have to incentivize them with equity interests to keep them around. That's most people that aren't entrepreneurial leaders don't understand that you don't, what do you mean I'm paying you? You need to stick around. 
You're my employee. They don't know how to lead entrepreneurially. They don't understand or they haven't been taught some of those tools and skills and abilities to do some of that kind of stuff. So entre leading entrepreneurially is a key thing too. This is fun. Entrepreneurs are not doers. Entrepreneurs are not doers, not thinkers. Entrepreneurs are born, not made. These are myths. Entrepreneurs are always innovators. Entrepreneurs are academic and social mystics. Entrepreneurs must fit the profile. All entrepreneurs need is money. All entrepreneurs need is love. Entrepreneurship is unstructured and chaotic. Most entrepreneurial initiatives fail. Entrepreneurs are extreme risk takers. All of them are myths. Every single one of them. We talked about those. And I, we don't need to elaborate any further than saying entrepreneurs are doers, not thinkers. Entrepreneurs are doers and thinkers. We all know that. Entrepreneurs are born, not made. You tell me you're predestined when you came to this class whether or not you're going to be an entrepreneur or not. That maybe this class tonight didn't reshift your mindset saying, hey, you know what, I think I can do it. It's, it's, a, it's a myth. Entrepreneurs are always innovators. We talked about that. You don't need to create something new. You can make something existing better. Entrepreneurs are academic and social misfits. I'm not a social misfit. I'm an entrepreneur. It's offensive. <laughs> but sometimes they, they think they there's this like Elon Musk, you know, uh, crazy Gary Diesel, you know, off all entrepreneurs must be like crazy on YouTube. No, it's not true. Entrepreneur, all entrepreneurs need is money. I'll tell you story after story of business owners I have met with nothing, nothing, and have created businesses from what they had and are highly successful today. I've met, talked to worked with, coached, it's not always the case. But they found a way to make it work without money. All entrepreneurs need is luck. <laughs> Hard work doesn't matter. It's about luck. Whether you're in the right place at the right time, doesn't matter how smart or hardworking hard you are. If you're not lucky, you're not gonna make it. Lies, lies, and more lies. Entrepreneurship is unstructured and chaotic. We just talked about the process. Did that give you some peace knowing that when we talked about the vacuum, that there's an actual process to this? There's something called the business model canvas that very clearly demonstrates the different areas in which are very structured. That when we, we start talking about these things, your ability to execute on your leadership is going to be much higher. It's not, doesn't always have to be chaotic. Most entrepreneurial initiatives fail. Who says the entire world, the universe, is. is it's in chaos. You just have to know how to navigate. But creating structure out of the chaos is what entrepreneurs do. They see chaos as opportunities. They create the chaos sometimes to create the opportunity. They like to disrupt things for a good reason. Entrepreneurs are extreme risk takers. We talked about mitigating risk. And we're going to do everything we can to prevent failure. Then we're going to think about what kind of this industry or the customer segment doesn't seem very net. So the biggest curses or Achilles heels is this concept or misnomer that my product and service is for everyone. Everyone can use it. Unless you're oil, gas, air, water, you know, even water. Not everyone. It's like water that's select and different. <laughs> you have to create something unique. So let's just say it's um, a new energy drink. Let's just let's just say it's a new energy drink. <laughs> so if you have a new energy drink, you 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 should take it to somebody who's going to drink it and ask them, hey, what what do you like about this? Or what if you had an energy drink, 
What, what would it look like? How, how would you buy it? Is $3 a can too much? Or should, you know, you ask open-ended questions and get tangible customer feedback. And that's sort of where that is. And that's how we developed a business model around that. But then once you get to the lean startup, you typically have a business or you're on a team and you, you sort of have it honed in. And that's when we really get into the details. Then once we have that, then we look at, okay, how do we fund this business? How do we, how do we debt equity? What makes sense? Um, can we sell it? What would it sell for? Should we be planning for the exit in the beginning? The answer is yes. And we'll value the venture as well. We'll have a pro forma. That's more financial. Congratulations. You made it here. <laughs> you started the initial step, your proactiveness, figuring out what you, you know, that you want to be a part of this. And I pray that each one of you, uh, in your own minds, hearts, souls, whatever it is, that you will create something um, that will stifle fear and create courage in your life to do what you know you're supposed to do with your career, your business, whatever it is. I hope that starts today. I hope it starts now.